Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. Well, hey, everybody, Wes McDonald here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of TigerTube. And if you can't see us, that means you're listening in on Tiger Paw Radio, and I want to thank you for that. Don't forget to like this episode, make sure you subscribe, and get access to lots of great content designed to help you better your business. So really excited today. Uh, one of my favorite companies uh, as an MPS specialist uh, was always HP. And today I'm, I'm very lucky to have Tammy Beach, who's the head of MPS Channel Sales, um, at HP uh, on the interview uh, today. And Tammy, in a, in a second, I'll get you to introduce yourself to our, our audience. And I will give you a, a little history of my love of HPs. Uh, when I was doing managed print assessments, I was actually a specialist who would go through the offices and kind of you know catalog which kind of devices they had and make recommendations for uh, either consolidation or upgrades or uh, sometimes uh, fewer devices, et cetera. But the number of HP4s that I saw functioning in the marketplace <laughs> like those old devices, like it was incredible, right? And uh, HP was also one of the first devices uh, that I worked with that had the uh, full panels on them to be able uh, to embed software on them uh, for user tracking. So uh, definitely the brand is near and dear to my heart. Um, but that was yesterday, and we're going to be talking about today and the future maybe a little bit too. Uh, so Tammy, if you could introduce yourself for our audience. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hi, Wes. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And I have a great love for the HP brand as well. I'm a lifer myself. Um, I've been with HP um, 25 years. Uh, and so, um, and, I've, and I've done all of that from my home state of Boise, Idaho. So I'm born and raised and based out of, out of Boise, Idaho. Um, if you haven't been here, I invite you all to come and visit because it's really <laughs> a fantastic place to live. Uh, work and play. Um, let's see. So I, um, I've i been married about 30 years. I Well, 30 years, not about, but 30 years. <laughs> I have um, three daughters. Uh, one lives in Seattle and two live with us at, at home. One's in, in college and one is just getting ready to graduate from high school. So that's a lot of fun. Keeps me busy. Um, I started my career at HP in the channel, doing channel training. And so it is a place that I love. I, I also started in the print industry, which is a place that I love, um, and had did many years in the print side of the business doing different roles from category management to channel programs and development, um, and also bringing to market some of our first um, managed print solution offers and programs. That was fun. I like to kind of joke that I, um, and in fact, I, I joke about getting a t-shirt that says I survived Mopier and Hawks <laughs> and Edgeline and... <laughs> <laughs> and all of those things, all those experiences have been great and have not only built my capabilities and awareness of this space, but also helped HP to really learn about this space a lot more. Um, I did also work um, for in our PC organization for about five years and uh, worked on lifecycle services and bringing to market our um, kind of managed offer for, uh, for PCs. That was fun. And then I did a stint in... Um, in our consumer organization um, on a global role uh, working with um, with our alliance partners uh, spent a, a, a good amount of time working with partners in china 
and working on our consumer print apps, uh, which was a pretty big departure from the work that I had previously done, but also probably where I learned the most and what has kind of formed my outlook going forward, uh, which I think we'll talk about uh, later. Um, and then three years ago, I found myself back in the place that I love working with, uh, working in the channel, working with these partners and, and leading our, our dealer channel for, um, for managed print services. Well, that's great. And actually, that was a really good segue uh, into the question that I'm going to start with. And you've seen a lot of change, obviously, having worked in so many aspects of HP. And we're going through that again. And the mm -hmm. pandemic certainly accelerated a lot of the changes that were already happening anyway. Um, maybe you can tell me the kinds of things that uh, people used to print are in decline. And uh, how are we you know, starting to do that? What are some of the strongest areas of print opportunities post-pandemic? Well, so I think I'd like to start by saying that, you know, the pandemic accelerated a lot of things, <laughs> a lot of the mega trends that we were already watching. And, and I think that even before the pandemic, in my mind, the biggest opportunity for print was this um, kind of trend toward mobility and trend toward hybrid working. Um, we saw that happening again, accelerated over the past few years when we had to do it. There was no choice. We had to do it. And this is not just about you know, shifting workforce from work to home, but anywhere <laughs> that work can get done. And not only the place, but how they get that work done. So I just kind of go back to the opportunity that I would speak about um, before, which was, it's not really about the place or the product. We tend to get caught in those words. Um, it's more about the people and the productivity. And, um, and so, you know, when you shift, when you make that tiny little paradigm shift from place and product to people and productivity, it opens up kind of a new space and new thought process about where the opportunities are. Uh, the most obvious one being the workflows, right? How do I get the content and the apps and the systems cloud enabled so that uh, people can access them? Um, anywhere they are and from any screen or portal or device, right? Because that whole landscape is changing. Um, I think there's also though some opportunities for us to innovate in terms of business models. You know, we have these contracts, we have cost per page uh, based contracts that we tend to, um, to rely on. You know, there's this mo movement um, toward, you know, that that's dependent on being able to connect devices to DCA and management and monitoring technology that um, that is maybe getting old and outdated. Um, and, and, you know, devices are connected for sure, but are we tracking pages? Do we need to track pages? Pages are moving from this device to that device in this location to that location. So do we need more subscription-based or seat-based kind of business models? Um, I think device installation and setup and support and all of those things can be rethought in a world of remote first mobile first instead of kind of some of the legacy ways that we have done that. I mean, we can buy cars online from start to finish. <laughs> um, and, um, and if we can do that, then we can most certainly do that for, uh, for a copier or a printer. So I think that there's huge opportunities in those basic areas for um, our kind of business innovation. But I also think that there's um, some opportunities in what I call kind of managing the seams. Um, it was interesting through COVID how, um, how much I realized personally, and I think a lot of people did, how, um, how maybe, and, and I think IDC used a term called digitally distraught, 
how digitally distraught companies are. And um, they're not really and weren't really prepared to make the transition. And they're still not. So, um, so there's an opportunity for us as an industry to kind of fill in the gaps there, or what I say is managing the seams of that transition from where they were to where they need to be. What does that look like? How is that architected? What stack do you need for that? What um, support and services do you need for that to, to make that possible? I think companies are really struggling with, and so I think that's a huge opportunity. Well, I love it. And uh, I'm just going to interject here because you said a couple of things which are both very near and dear to my heart. One is the uh, seat-based billing. So I did a series of uh, seat-based billing roadshows years ago. Mm. And I actually do a live stream every week, which is called Flat Rate World, um, because I actually do work with and help uh, dealers to actually get on, you know, subscription-based programs for for their prints. So I am 100%, you know, behind kind of looking at helping, like you said, helping dealers, helping customers to make that you know, that step, that transition, right? Yes. Uh, the other one I'm 100% uh, in agreement on is when you talk about looking at people and not devices, right? And as an assessment specialist, that's the first thing I always did when I was working with uh, the sales reps was to say, we need to make this a people-focused assessment. It's not a printer assessment because then we understand what the people are trying to do, right? right. Devices mm -hmm. won't tell you that. Devices will give you metrics, but it won't tell you what they're trying to accomplish, how they're trying to get work done, right? So. Maybe you can tell me some of the things that you're excited about that, you know, you've seen the the channel do to adapt to changing workflows because we have been adapting, right? So what are some of the things that maybe you've seen that have gotten you excited? Yeah, so um, so I guess to start again, um, the most impactful workflow change that I'm seeing is not really around document management at all. It's really around the buying process. And, and, and this industry has had a pretty static buying process for decades. Um, they know how to do it very well. A lot of people have built great businesses and become very wealthy on the buying process of the past. But that's really changing. And I was really struck, actually, by the, um, who was it, Marcus uh, Sheridan, that talked at the BTA conference in Chicago um, and um, and talked about the digital consumer and and I and I wholeheartedly agree and resonate with that. I think the statistic I don't know if he used it or I heard it somewhere else is that seventy percent of the buying process is done digitally, right? That doesn't mean that that you know they don't reach out, you don't talk to them in that process, but it's done digitally. So what I get excited about is when I see channel partners investing in their online and their digital footprint and presence, right? Whether it's their website or their social media strategies that they might have, if they're prioritizing and making those investments and how they show up and not just how they show up, but how they analyze the data. And Marcus really went through some really great examples in the pool industry of, of how he uses the data to improve that digital presence and to be where his customers are in that purchasing or buying cycle. So I think that um, we can't underestimate the, import the importance of the digital presence. Um, and then those also then, if you're using the analytics and you're um, learning what works and what doesn't work, it leads partners to, you know, real-time, you know, quick quoting and um, e-commerce and um, solutions and support models that are digital first. And so those are the things that that I get excited about when I see partners doing, because I think they're readying for getting ready for, you know, really preparing themselves to continue for the next 10 decades. Yeah, and how important it is, right? And I know that, you know, probably before the interview, you probably checked out my LinkedIn profile, right? I checked mm -hmm. out yours. 
And uh, there's so much information there, you know, that's available, you know, before we physically meet, right? So really, you know, incredible. And that's just, you know, obviously for our personal uh, and professional digital presence, right? And like you said, let alone these things that we can do as organizations to make sure that we're out there, right? That right. people are seeing us in different ways. And one of the objectives of this program, obviously, is to help people uh, better get to know Tiger Paw through education and learning. Nothing about, you know, us and that digital presence to help people. And when they're ready, right, like you said, that 70% of the research they've done, hopefully we've taught them something uh, that they appreciate learning and maybe they'll, you know, come back and have a look at us for what we do, right? It's absolutely, you know, critical that organizations, you know, do that, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I buy that way. I assume sure. you do too. And, absolutely. and so, and I, you know, I, more and more and bigger and bigger purchases. Yes. Uh, so. Yeah. I just recently bought a uh, glamping tent. I'm not sure if you've seen those, oh. but, you know, it's uh, one of the, the larger bell tents and I spent probably you know, a good week doing online research, reading about the tent companies, how well they held up, looking at user reviews, looking at any uh, kind of industry awards that they might have had, et cetera, right? And, yeah. and, and literally, I mean, and these glamping tents, I'm not sure if you know, they're not cheap. Like they are actually, <laughs> they're pretty expensive. And when I was finally ready to make that decision, it was literally um, the phone call that I made was just to get a couple of questions answered and then, okay, I'm ready to order. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, exactly. I'm doing the same with the couch, right? right. <laughs> I'm in the couch purchasing process and what style and size and what are the features that I really need to to know what are important to me. Um, and then, you know, I'll go to a store and, and, and test it out. But I kind of I already walk in knowing what it is that I want and the questions that I need to ask. And it's funny because, you know, you talk about how you show up online in um, it, uh, digitally. But um but also how um, how you're listening because and I mean literally listening um, because sometimes now I will just stand in when I was doing my my stint in the consumer uh, software team we were doing a lot of work on building print paths with Amazon and Google and others um, that um, that are voice activated so Amazon print my boarding pass or print my calendar or what what have you so my house is filled with these voice activated speakers and i <laughs> <Mine> can <too. laughs> you know i i can you know and, and the ones that have um a video on them you can see the articles that pop up are being served up to you based on the conversation that you're having in the house and some people that freaks out and and it freaked me out at first too so i shut it all off and then I realized I'm not getting my customized, personalized information served up to me. So I turned it all back on. And now I stand in the kitchen and I go, oh, you know, I could really use a black rug for this kitchen. And then what do you know? I've got 25 black rug options on my Amazon device. Yeah, I love it. I think that, you know, I, I call it uh, digital currency, right? That a lot mm -hmm. of things that we're willing to uh, give up as long as we feel that we're getting uh, enough in return uh, to be able to make up for that, right? Yes. And it was actually a millennial that I saw uh, speaking at a conference once, and they were actually being, this was quite a number of years ago, but they were uh, being grilled, obviously, by some of the older, you know, folks in the room saying, you know, you just do too much online yet, you know, it's, you're going to get burned, it's, it's your young and stupid, you know, the whole transgenerational thing, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, the person that was on the panel was very calm and relaxed and said, no, um, we're not ignorant to what we give away online. It's just we view it as currency. In other mm -hmm. words, if there is value in what they're offering us, then we'll give them a little bit of our information. If we don't feel the values there, then we don't, right? And I was like, 
what a neat way to to look at that. Yeah. I'm like you. My whole house is fired up. <laughs> right, and you and and you're we're just giving it away. But I totally yeah. I I teach a marketing class at Boise State. I always ask the same question: How do you feel about this? What is your perspective on this? Because you know the assumption is is that yeah you're you're the riskiest generation. But right. um, but I think that they are just more intentional. I think so. Yeah. And uh, that's, like I said, that conference years ago, that just stuck in my brain because it was such a great answer, right? It's like, mm -hmm. we know what we're doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's great. It, that's actually a good segue into this question, right? So a lot of people long for the good old days, right? When uh, I remember the early days of the internet, uh, when I started in the managed print space, um, I worked for an organization called Printfleet. There wasn't even software yet for, you know, managing the devices mm -hmm. other than the OEM direct software packages. Yeah. And you know, I've I've been through this, you know, this whole managed print phase uh, from the early days of when the internet was dishing up so much information. There was just so many things to print, right? And with uh, the younger generations doing different workflows and stuff, we're not, you know, going back, right? There's no such thing as the, uh, you know, the old normal. So what what is this new normal? And obviously, the one question I always love to ask is what opportunities does it present? Because there's always opportunity, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I would describe the new normal with five words. Um, and, and when you, and when you just hear the words and you sit with them for a while, again, it's, it's kind of like making that paradigm shift from, from product and place to people and, and productivity is shifting words in our head causes us to open up all kinds of new um, ideas. Um, and so, so the five words and, and, and actually um, we just released HP just released a video called work happy that has some really great visuals of what I'm about to describe. Um, I didn't, I didn't make this list based on that video, but it fits really, really well. So first, I think mobile. I mean, everybody knows that mobile is happening. And, and, and again, we can say it's hybrid, it's office and home, but when you switch that word to mobile, you really say, okay, this is, I can live, work and play wherever I want, anywhere. Um, flexible. And what I mean by flexible is that I can live, work and play whenever I want. Not just wherever, but whenever, um, you know, morning, noon, night, different time zones, <laughs> you know, I could work around my, my, you know, family and my personal um, uh, uh, activities that I do, I can work that in and it makes me a much better, happier employee. I mean, I'm a, a, a pretty happy H play employee, very, very loyal. I have the opportunity to work whenever I want. I have children, I have a husband, I have social activities I do. I teach at Boise State, I have some side hustles here. Um, and I, I think that more and more we're going to see that that is the norm for people. I read um, an article where they called this polygamist careers because we, <laughs> we may stay with a single company, I mean, it's rare that you see that anymore, but you may stay with a single company for your whole career as long as they afford you the opportunities to develop professionally and personally and have that flexibility. Um, virtual. And what I mean by this, this is the kind of the however. I can live, work, and play however I want. Um, it doesn't matter the device, the operating system, the content, or the app. I should be able to seamlessly move and collaborate virtually um, as much as I need to, to be as productive as, as I can. Um, augmented, and, and this is really, you know, my, my experience in the consumer software world um, really kind of started to form my ideas around augmentation and what that can do for us. 
you know, make me better, faster, smarter. You don't have to take me over, <laughs> but make me better, faster, stronger, jump higher, run faster. Um, don't make me do things that I don't have to do that aren't a good use of my time. And that is super, super important. And then the last word, and again, this is this is formed from, from my consumer experience. And, and, you know, of course, it's all, we're all one person and our consumer experience bleeds into our professional life and back and forth, personal. I am a party of one. <laughs> um, there is enough data. I have a big enough data um, digital footprint for you to know me well. So serve up your offer to me. Serve up the experience to me that you know that I'm going to value. Um, and so there's, there is opportunity to be so personal in this new era with all of the data that we have available. So use the data and make the experiences personal because that's really then what will stand out and differentiate, I think. Um, you know, so there's, so I think in terms of opportunities, again, thinking about those words and the things that you might, I mean, if you just sat down for a day and talked through those words with your organization about what you're doing today and how you can make those shifts to better embrace those words. Um, and then what are all of the brand new things, you know, whether it's gaming or AR, VR, you know, or, you know, accessories, we, you know, we're investing a lot of time and money in headsets and gloves and sensors, and not just for gaming, but to enrich the whole collaboration experience in the office, in the education space, in, you know, training, in construction, in, um, you know, public sector. These are things I think we, you know, we're, we're, you know, that we know that a, you know, audio visual is a big opportunity, but what about the headsets, the gloves, the sensors, those kinds of things that go along with that collaboration experience that are beyond just the audio video. So those are, those are some of the things that I start to think about that I get excited about that personalization, industrial printing, 3D. I mean, all of these things where HP is really, um, you know, we have our fingers in um, so that we can bring those opportunities to our channel partners. I love it. And, you know, these are opportunities, uh, like you said, that, you know, uh, five years ago probably wouldn't have been even possible, right? But we've gotten used to, you know, kind of these things. I love the five, right? The mobile, what a great word instead of, uh, you know, home office or remote or whatever, right? Because it could be mm -hmm. anything. This idea of flexibility. So before our call, uh, my wife's a retailer. She had to take her mom somewhere this morning. So my daughter's filling in at the store and I had to drive her down, help open the store and then get ready for this interview. Right. <laughs> and that's right. how ideal is that? Right. That's how you want to live. And this idea of, of uh, virtual being able to do things virtual and the augmented stuff is very cool. But probably most important, what I love what you say there is the personal, right? That it's mm -hmm. this idea of a tailored experience of really thinking about the consumer, getting to know the consumer better, right? And helping them, you know, to make purchase decisions based on that at a time. Wonderful. Right. Well, well, that's great. I can't thank you enough, uh, you know, for that, right? And But in respect for your time, um, we've reached uh, the point in the interview, uh, which I like to call the impossible question. <laughs> and... The impossible question is, if you had one piece of advice for office equipment dealers and others uh, that are providing imaging and, and print uh, to customers, what would that be? Well, I think that, you know, again, based on what I learned by leaving this industry, this business, not this industry, but when I, when I went to the consumer side of the business, I think what I learned the most is that the industry you're in should not be your reference point. 
right? The customers that you're talking to every day and the people that you're surrounded with every day maybe shouldn't always be your reference point. But looking beyond that, looking outside to other industries, um, what served us in the past won't necessarily serve us in the future. We're just moving too fast. Modern businesses are too different. I, I like to say our customers are getting so much younger, we're getting so much older, and our buyers are almost unrecognizable. So if you look outside the industry at the types of businesses that are being successful and the types of leadership that is, that is um, enduring and being successful, um, you know, look what has happened in music and entertainment and healthcare and retail and, you know, automotive. Automotive is, is changing right before our eyes right now. Um, and so if you look to those industries and there's good things and bad things, right? What are the best practices and worst practices? But don't underestimate the value that you can get from looking outside of kind of your own circle in your own industry and using those insights to uh, to kind of inform your path forward because um you know there's lots of really great ideas and lots of really great best practices that are going on out there um, if we kind of open our, our eyes and pay attention to those that's wonderful advice right that in order to learn and expand our horizons we always have to uh, you know get outside of the box that that we're in um, I lead a group called the uh, Top 100, which is uh, a bunch of folks on the uh, Office Equipment channel and other places. Um, and one of the people that I have in there is from Gap Intelligence, uh, Valerie L. Hademan, and her focus area is actually the consumer, you know, sort of print side of the of the world. And at first, people said, "Well, why do you have somebody from the consumer side in?" And I said, "Well, with all these people working, you know, um, I'm going to use your word now, uh, working mobile, uh, right?" that the types of devices people need are, are going to be shifting as well right and mm -hmm. so it was fascinating to see some of the numbers that they provide on what's happening in the consumer world and then marrying that with the with the business world so that stuff gets me really excited well listen i uh in respect to your time uh, we've definitely come to the end of the interview and i cannot thank you enough it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to interview you thank you i have had a great time i'd love to know how i can uh, join you on your um your group 100 yeah would... yeah <laughs> sounds super interesting um great group of people so um uh anyway i look forward to talking with you again soon yeah wonderful and uh to all of our viewers and listeners cannot thank you enough for joining us for another episode and uh, remember to subscribe hit that like button and until next time keep learning and so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more great learning content to help you grow your business, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com and click on the Resources tab. You can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.